Hey everyone, welcome back to Living Courageously Exposed, hosted by Inside Out Adventures and yours truly, Jennifer J. Saunders. My friends call me Jay. This is part two of my interview with Carrie, and we left you just as we were getting into the meat and like really good stuff of this story. And we're just going to start right there and get right back into it. Now, Carrie was telling us about uh, being in her time in, in the women's prison, and we left you with the question of was she scared and meeting people in there and realizing that that she learned to see people and not just behaviors and how she really started to focus on those things and stopped caring about why they were in there and, and more on their humanity. So Carrie, let's start off again with just another one of those. We talked about some questions that people may have that they're welcome to like leave us in the comments and we'll answer it another time. What would be another one of those questions that, that you had and let, let's address right there and start there. Um, some simple ones. Okay. You're in some jumpsuit of black and white proportions <laughs> and you're fed through a door and, um, it's just unsanitary. It, it, it it's that image. Right. Um, now yeah. there probably are places where people are fed are. through, through and there doors. Were, there and... were, um, there were facilities where I was, um, for various reasons where people were, kind of, I don't know, they were contained in more of a solitary, you know, rather than in a general... Just like higher security. Higher security, different needs. Okay. um, That kind of thing. I really had nothing to do with that. Okay. Um, I didn't didn't see a lot of that. I wasn't in those areas other than, you know, when they would actually have to call lockdown drills or they would have... I'll be frank, suicide attempts and things like that, then I was very aware there were probably some very serious suffering going on other places than where I was. Right. Um, So what was it like for you if you weren't being fed through doors? Okay, so (laughs) um, so it kind of depends on where you were. Of course, I spent time in a county jail before I was ever at the actual prison, which that was a very different experience from a prison. Right. Um, And as just a tiny, like, logistic there, county is a... Jail is based on a county jurisdiction. Once you get on a state level, then you then you are in a population within the, the correctional prison systems of a state. So I experienced both of those. Um, I wore kind of like khaki pants, T-shirts, and a khaki overshirt. Um, actually really comfortable clothes. We had different clothes for recreation. Otherwise, we wore that. Um, Food. We had a, a dining hall where they had a lot of the women that worked there. So I had, honestly, pretty decent food. Um, you could be on different kinds of food. You could be on a healthy choice kind of thing. <laughs> so you had options. You I still had, had choices. Options. You could choose the egg white omelet or the cinnamon roll. Um, I felt intense gratitude for that at every meal. Right. Um, it's amazing when you do not have freedom to choose your food, how grateful you are that you have it and that somebody else cared enough to prepare it well. Because, um, you, you know, you never were overfed. Um, and so I, I feel, I, I, I just felt that so deep. Like, wow, to be hungry would be so hard. Yeah. 
I always, <laughs> I should just share a little bit of like going and seeing you and, and, and my brother in, in your different facilities. And, <laughs> you know, I went in with, with some of these questions and, and visions that we've talked about that really are, are false until you actually experience them and know what they are. And, but I remember going in with my bags of quarters <laughs> so that, you know, we could have snacks, but so that we could also feed you given, yes, you know, thank you for the, those quarters, <laughs> the pictures that we thought you would be starving, you know, and that these things would be amazing. And just the eye opening experience was, it was a treat, but it's not, but you I weren't yeah. skin and bones. No, no, it was, um, I actually think most of the people that work within those walls of those places, there's always an exception. You know, there was a few that I had, oh, hard times with. Um, but I would say 95% of the people that worked within those walls cared. Hmm. They cared. And not just, I'm here to get my paycheck, so I care. No, they cared about those people. And they wanted to make the most of a really challenging experience. Um, I used to think it, that prison was kind of just like this horrible, punitive, go away and then come back. Um, but I think the people that work within those walls, and, and sadly we don't get that through everybody that's in charge of the decision-making in, in those systems, but people that work within there really do, I believe, see it as a restoration and an opportunity to restore and to rehabilitate and fix and heal. So given, given that, um, you feel like that's, that's the demeanor and attitude of those who work inside the prisons. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that same sentiment is, is held by those who get to be housed there, the inmates themselves? Oh, I, I don't know. I think it's a very unique experience. What one person experiences might be the very opposite from another. Um, nothing is forced on you there, strangely. If you want to sit in a bed and sleep 24 hours a day, you can do that. Um, uh, it might delay you leaving, but nobody is enforcing you to do anything there. So your power to choose still stays with you. Even though you feel like I have no power, well, we still have the power to choose. And so I think everybody does have a very different experience. Um, I just in like watching how people spent their days, my days looked very different from some other people's days. Right. So I don't know. I don't think it's congruent. I think it's very different for everybody. Yeah, it's it's very. I asked that question because um, you know, again, comparing not comparing, but looking at the different stories yeah. of of the people in close people in my life who've yeah. had the opportunity to you know spend some time behind um, in, in close facilities. Yeah. Um, you know, some studied all day, like took notes, like read books voraciously and took notes and would mail them to me. And, um, you know, some played a lot of sports and, and really like my brother learned how to play the guitar and he played in a band when he was in there. And so it just makes me, it, and maybe that's the question for some listening is, you know, what are the opportunities to rehabilitate and how many people really like have that hope? Yeah. Um, the opportunities that are there are not as much as you would, I think they're not as high as what they, what the public tells people they are. Um, I had some really interesting experiences watching, um, the, the, the warrant, the, 
I can't even think of his name, but the, basically the directors of the facilities um, take through a legislation and public people and hear what they were saying. And I, I didn't quite agree with that, um, but um, I had the opportunity to head and lead the GED program in prison. That's pretty cool. And so... So you got to be so the teacher. So from 9 to 3 every day, I still taught school and helped women who never, for whatever reason, finished high school, get their high school diplomas. Some got actual high school diplomas. Um, some got their GED. But it was it was a very positive, amazing thing to be a part of. I want to say, what was that for you? Like, here you're taking... So Carrie actually is a... Like, teaching is in her blood. It's It's what she was born to do. And so now you're in this place where yes. you feel like you, that gift may have been taken from you and, and it's presented to you again in this whole different yeah. realm of people who, who may not like think that they ever would have these things. So like, what was it for you to watch these people achieve these, these milestones inside of a prison? And how do you think it helped them? Um, I feel like I won. I, I don't know what their experience was, um, but you know, you never really know something until you can teach it. Right. And there was, I mean, I taught, I taught in, in other ways before prison, but I never taught advanced high school math or <laughs> things where I'm like, I have to learn this again. And so I really like, for me, it was, it was amazing to watch some women who'd had strokes, who had never read maybe beyond second grade reading level, obtain a GED, which yeah, there might be criticism. It's not hard. It is hard. It is hard. And many of those women haven't been around like an, a formal education in 30 years. So it is like starting from the ground up. And so I think it was huge. It was, it was amazing to me. It stimulated my mind. It made me feel purposeful. Um, I, I, I ran... The aerobics classes there so I got it I just I had to find ways to be purposeful and so in that purposeful in in episode one we talked about um, your perfectionism having to have everything in a row before did any of that carry into absolutely absolutely like I remember thinking when I got in I am going to be the perfect inmate <laughs> <laughs> Not a single thing will ever be written about me that will ever give them any ground to not think she is 100% deserving. Um, and I was fierce at it. Uh, I really was. I took on every opportunity given to me. I played the piano. I taught in spiritual communities. I did education. I went to rec. I, I just took it all on. Um, which taught me a lot of good lessons. Um, because honestly, being persistent and consistent in your life does yield fruits. Right, you bet. Uh, but I also... Um, it's, it, my perfectionism didn't go away through my prison experience. I'm going to be interested to hear, <laughs> hear down the road a little bit like where that turning point was for you. Like where things really started to shift that's helped bring you to where you are today and, and the person that's sitting in front of me versus the person that I knew who, who walked through the doors of a prison and um, took that perfectionism and all of those yeah. characteristics with I her. So took it all with me. 
<laughs> we're going we're gonna to leave it right there for now. And uh, we'll come back to that. And we'll start with, uh, we'll, we'll look back and see if there's anything else that you feel like would be good information for people to know, like the breaking the myth, the myth busters of prison. Yeah. And, uh, true. There's a lot of them. Yeah. And, and I'm only one voice. And that's Somebody right. Somebody else might say those aren't myths. That's right. And that is something that I wanted to point out is that I, we are speaking to one person and even in listening to, and I've heard Carrie share lots of her stories. You know, it, it, differs from the other stories that I've heard and the places that these people were housed and, and what their experiences were. And so, um, again, we just ask you to keep an open mind yeah. and an open heart that everybody has a different experience, even though yeah. it may look the same, you know, prison is not the same for every, everybody. Religion is not the same for everybody. Being married yeah. is not the same for, you know, and, and I just want to say I'm under no, like, I know that I, was privileged. I came from a family who supported me. I had resources. I was a white woman. I am, un I know this. I was privileged and, and that was just, I was born into that. I didn't earn any of that. That was just me. If I would have been of a different race, of a different socioeconomic background, um, I don't know that I would have fared as well. I don't know that I would have been looked at the same. And that was, that, that, I'm just, I think it's really important for people to know that. Um, so I speak these experiences knowing that I speak from a place of privilege. It was different uh, for me that way. It, it could be very much way harder, way, look very different under different circumstances. Awesome. So. I really am, um, I'm always amazed at when we have these conversations and, and you bring out those points like it just is it's just like the truth of of what was and what is and um i love that you'll voice that it, it always keeps me in check and i would hope that those who listen um you know can maybe take those words and just soak them in and and see where in their lives how some of those things affect their behaviors or their attitudes towards things or even how they get to interact with their um, environment and their experiences mm -hmm it's kind of hard to go back that many years. It sort of feels like a dream. Sure. So uh, there, it's kind of hard to put myself back in there completely. You know, it's important to document, I think, right? because you just get further away and you, did you journal? I did journal, but strangely I have not read through those since. Sure. Um, maybe for the same reasons, like, I don't know if I want to open all that again. Right. Right. Um, but one thing that's been on my mind since we last met was even though I've learned and I've grown and I feel like I have maybe a voice that has something to offer, none of that really diminishes the sorrow or the pain or the accountability that, that really still sits on that event. And I, and, or do I not recognize the possible impact I had on other people's lives? Um, and I just have to say that because I think it, it kind of reminds me of grief in general. Like you see someone, they've been through a really hard thing and you're like, well, they're doing so good now. It must've been no big deal or they must've learned nothing. And, um, I, it still sits with me and there's moments throughout my life on a very regular basis that kind of, whoa, and it throws me back and realizing that was real. 
there there was an impact that caused the ABC and um, I'm acutely aware of that. And so I, I am not one to say I'm innocent. I was very guilty of the behaviors that took me there. And so, yeah, I still, I'm still very aware of being accountable and being, I guess I just never want to forget the possible impact I had on people because of that, the right. negative impact. Right. And, you know, we don't live in, in that big of a community. No. And it was, you know, I, I really appreciate that you are in the space that you're in, that you can, like the emotional, healthy space that you're in and, and the things that you've learned, that you can say, yeah, I, you know, I, I did this. And these behaviors were mine. And um, I think that's important for all of us to get to. I know for myself, sometimes it's a challenge to really own the things and the behaviors that that create the outcomes that are unpleasant and we want to put them on someone else and so I really appreciate you taking that little step back yeah. and saying you know I I did this I am the one who took the actions to put myself in that place but then inside I was able to have these experiences and, right and some of these right and and that was very much my experience really early on when I was I had already engaged in counseling before ever moving away um, but I continued a lot of that with the clinicians available through that facility of I was so fiercely determined to figure out how I could have done what I did. I did not know. Sure. Initially, it was, I don't know. I don't know why I did this. Well, and don't you think, Carrie, that there are a vast majority of people out there like... Like in my case, you know, I, I don't believe that my husband woke up one day and said, hey, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to do this thing. And there may be some, but there were a lot of things that led up to that. Yeah. Are you of the same belief that a lot of us, if asked, really don't know yeah. the underlines that took us to those places? No, and I, I remember when I initially engaged in counseling, I would have these two hours a week I'd get a go, and they flew by like in a minute. And she'd kind of start wrapping up and I would panic. Like, what do you mean our session's over? Like, <laughs> I'm camping out here in the hallway until I have this figured out. I am cleaning out every corner of my life. Right. Because I never want to have anything like this ever happen again to myself, to anyone, ever. And I was almost obsessed with that. I was reading. I was, I just had to get a handle on it. Because how do you change a behavior that you have no idea how you're even engaging in. Right, right. I, I just heard you. <laughs> I, I heard you say in not so many words. Your perfectionism stepped in there oh, too. Oh, shoot! To like really, it did. No, no, to really root out um, the the systemic issues, and that takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of bravery to want to really delve in that deep and say this. This was a really horrible experience in my life and it bled out to the lives of others and to want to really go to that place takes a lot of courage. Yeah. And I commend you for that. Like I watched you through that process. Um, and it was, it was painful to watch, let alone I can't imagine being in, in your shoes. Anything else on that? Anything else? Um, no, I mean, things will come up naturally as we talk. Um, I don't even remember feeling like that that was a brave thing. I would imagine it, you wouldn't. I just, 
I, it was so, it was like, it was like shocking. Like I just, I don't know. I just had to figure out how I arrived there. Sure. And I just wouldn't stop until I figured it out. And it, it has been a lot of years. And some of it I still revisit and say, was that really what was going on there to create that? Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's, um, any other myths? Do we want to just kind of close there, out with the... Yeah, and I think, I think this next myth that I, that I have for you um, is, is one that lots of people... I know myself, I, I've contemplated this, but I also think it may tie into what you're talking about as far as um, what the learning and growth process is, or even, you know, some people may say the punishment process yeah. of is the only punishment confinement. Like what is there? Yeah. I think there's a myth there that confinement is the only punishment. Sure. What do you have to say about that? Um, I think there are people that recognize it is not, but from the very minute that a judge, um, carries out a sentence, um, and there's a lot of factors in how he does that and why he decides what he decides. Um, that is just the thing that comes out in the paper that goes across social media. Um, it's just the most public, simple statement of this is what's happening to them. And I think for most people, that is just very beginning right. stages of what's taken. I mean, I honestly could hardly find something that had not changed in my life. I, everything from, I was disciplined by my church community. I was take, I, I lost licensing. I lost careers. I lost, financial security. We lost a home. Um, my freedom. You lost two years friends, with, your, with your family, two years, your little girls. Yeah. And they were little, they were, little. they were little, in fact, little enough, whether blessing or not, my youngest doesn't remember this time. Yeah. Um, thankfully, cause of so many good people, she has really, her only memories are some really fond memories of certain things. She doesn't really even remember it. And my other one, hardly either, unless she sees like letters or things that were taking place at that time and it jogs her memory, but um, they were very small. Yes. So yeah, the punishment just goes on and on and on and on. And not, you know, you, you're, you're allowed to, to parole or to probate back out into a community under supervision. Um, for some people that is very extensive, like for a long time, I felt like I was just ankle chained right? and it's, it was freedom and I, w I was grateful for it every day, but it wasn't freedom, the sense of what most people would say freedom. So yeah, I think, I don't know it's, it's, I'm getting to where I'm very far from it and it still is in my life. Right. I'm still paying a price and, and still trying to fulfill a sentence. So I remember in the early days when, when you're you were really watched and had a lot of rules and regulations put on you. Like you say, you were out of the confinement, but you still had it was still a, sentence. a, a ball and chain. And so can you tell us a little bit what that was like to step out into this world that you previously lived in, into this community that knew you, and um, really by all intents and purposes, people adored you. And you had a lot of fans, and, and you still have a lot of fans, and, and you still did. But what was it like to step in back into life and, 
and know that you were like kind of in a fishbowl. Yeah, those were rough days at first. Um, there was lots of time where I just wanted to go back. Sure. Because I, I don't know. I just didn't know how to find myself in all of that and reestablish who I was without saying, because really I wasn't who I was. Um, I remember the simplest example of that I got when I got home and I got to where I was and I pulled out all my old things. And um, for one, I hadn't had nothing for so long. It felt like this overabundance of like gluttony. Like right. I don't need any of this. Um, but all of it felt like a different person. Like, I don't want to wear that. I don't, I don't, all of that just represented such a previous life to me that I didn't really want anything to do with it. It was a weird feeling that way. So I knew somewhere very deep that like there was some very big shifts. Um, but it, w it was really hard at first. I, I still struggle with that. I still struggle with what I would like to do to contribute to the world and feeling like I have all these like restrictions and nope, I can run, well I can maybe do that. Nope, I can't do that. I can't do that. Um, that's just nothing but gonna be no, 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 all the way down that line of thinking. And so I, I keep thinking, I'm the person that can just keep fighting through the, the rejections. Um, and at first I think I did better at that. But again, I'll go back to the pain thing. Once you've been rejected enough, I think our human, maybe our human biology, I don't know, we just preserve. And we quit putting ourselves out there to be rejected. So, yeah, I think over the last, I'd say, seven years, I've just really kind of just lived my very, like, comfortable, not stepping out of that life. And I haven't been miserable, but I've felt I've stayed where it's safe. Right. And so I'm, I'm going to guess that there are quite a few people listening to this, myself included, who haven't necessarily had your experiences, um, but have had the experience of feeling rejection or feeling um, less than, you know, in comparison to other people, whether, you know, whether they've had an interaction with somebody and, and um, who, who have an understanding of that feeling of like, I'm just... I'm just going to like lay low, fly under the radar, live this life. But I know for myself, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak for maybe a few other people out there too, that that place is, while we can be happy there, there's still things missing and we still have this yearning, yeah, the to, yearning. to live. Can you, can you address that a little bit? Yeah, the yearning. It just never goes away. What's because the yearning for you? It's who I am. It has no attachment to behaviors, past, present, or future. It's just me. It's wanting to be seen. It's wanting to be authentic. It's wanting to connect to the world in meaningful ways. Um, yeah, that just that just never really goes away. And I think... I mean, none of these feelings I experience, like loss, rejection, none of that is different. But I remember someone saying to me once, how do you, what is it like? I mean, is, is, 
people people were shocked I wanted to move back to the same community. Right. Like, are you crazy? As I say, we're not in that big of a community. You know, why are you, why not move like to the other side of the country? And I thought, no, I love this place. I love these people. And I, I have nothing to hide. Um, I've never wanted to hide or, you know, duck or, I just wanted to stand and take the blows and try to move forward. So can, can I address that a little bit farther? So the question comes to my mind, um, when you're saying you didn't want to hide and you didn't, you just want to stand up and take the blows, was that in a, because you felt like you deserved them? Like, were you still in this place of, of maybe some self-punishment and, you know, maybe people, what they were saying was true? Or were you really in a place of, I, I have paid for what I've done. I'm still paying for what I've done and I'm willing to stand up tall and, and face whatever comes my way. Both. Okay. Both. I think a little bit. Um, I, I, there's, I mean, Jesus Christ himself said, you know, there's the statement he over all the time says the least of these. Mm. And I always thought, who are the least of these? And I always thought of like the lepers and just these marginalized people that did not, they were not among the accepted populations. Right. And um, I walked that walk. And man, I think one of the most powerful things I've ever gained, and I don't know that I could have gained it without this whole experience, was <laughs> empathy. Mm. Not sympathy, not that must be so hard. I feel bad for them. No, I know. I know that place and I have walked among the least right. of people. And they're just people. And people who are hurting. That pain is just real. It's real. And, and I haven't been where everybody's been, but I've been among the least. And I don't know that it's, I just won't ever forget those feelings. I, I, I so don't know how you, how you could. <laughs> there, it's, it's a big thing. It's a so big thing. hard. So I, I don't know. I think the desire to come back to the community partially was, it was an accountability thing to me. It was, I don't, I want to stand and let people see every bit of it, you know, Read everything you can. Ask me any question you want. Um, I want to be an open book so that no one is afraid of me. Right. So that maybe somewhere in all of this, maybe one, two, three people might say, you know, I didn't understand, but I'm beginning to maybe understand something that was very, like, not even something I wanted to touch, you know, because... We tend to be afraid of things we don't understand. Right. And we just keep them at a distance and we keep naming them the way they are so that we can justify our feelings of fear about it. Um, but or, or maybe even our fear of, or our, not fear, but our self sense of righteousness and worthiness. Yes. And if we can, <laughs> if we can make someone else less than ourselves, then we feel better about ourselves. Yes. I think, I know for me, there was a point when that was a very real thing as well. Yeah. And, and maybe you've experienced that. Yeah. And I'll, I mean, I've had people approach me and say, well, you know, you're a different kind of case. Most people just fail. Like you, you think everybody deserves to see, you know, the best of everybody, but the, the reality carries most people don't deserve our respect. 
They wow. don't deserve our trust. And I've often thought, I guess I'm an optimist because I have, I, I sat among these people. The reality is many of them struggle to change. And I watched the revolving door. Right. I watched feeling jealous of people leaving quickly. And in a month or two, they were back and they were gone and they were back. And they really struggled to get out of those patterns. Um, so when people say, can people really change? I'd say, I know that many struggle too, but I will defend to my dying day that, that it is possible and anybody can change. If you can make a poor decision, you can make a good decision right. because you just made a poor one and we are not our decisions. Do you feel like Carrie, that this was something, a characteristic or a trait or a, a skill because I think it's a skill as well that you had before you went in. I don't know. Did I? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I think I was my behavior. I mean, I think I defined myself that way, which means I defined everybody else that way because right. you can't give something to someone that you don't give yourself. So I think if I did good things, then I was kind of in the good category. If I did what I perceived was bad things, I was in the bad category. And I thought I was what I did. If I smoked, I was a smoker. Right. If I stole, I was a thief. If I gave, if I was, you know, if I gave things to people or was this, I was a charitable person. Um, really, I just had these extensive, like, external behaviors. None of that really was me. Um, but that is really hard because we tend to want to say, we're the good things we do, but we're not the bad. Mm -hmm. When really we're neither. Um, but yeah, I've always found it funny how people say, well, you know, this person is, let's just take children. They're crappy at math. Um, they'll never be good at math. They, or they're they're an A student. I'm like, well, they are, they'll become whatever you tell them they are. So we want people to rise up and be these best versions of themselves, whether it's, you know, it, I mean, even, even in the prison population, it's like, well, they're just criminals. I'm like somewhat they become that because that is all they are to people. Um, and it just takes so much to rise out of that thinking you know? Well, don't you think having a massive support group outside of yourself Huge. to help pull you out of that is yes. so important? So important. And I had a lot of people that I know did not, nobody agreed with what happened to me. Nobody was comfortable with it, including myself. Right. I would have been upset at people that would have been, you know, not uncomfortable with it. But they still said, we don't understand we obviously don't condone, but we love you. Right. And um, I was fortunate enough to have, when I was, uh, when I met with a board to be released to come back out of that situation, mm -hmm. um, one of the one of the man in the board there said, "This was an, a terrible thing, but you are a wonderful person." Oh wow! And I just think by the grace of God that was given to me that day. Um, he happened to have lived a lot of his career years in the same field. 
as me and just knew maybe a little bit more candidly how that might have looked, but um, he had high expectations for me to come out and kind of demonstrate that principle to and, be real. And was that scary or was that like so encouraging? Maybe some of both. A little of both. Um, I think initially it was like, yes, I am going to go out and I'm going to demonstrate that as a true principle. Um, it, it was scary at times. I mean, you're sitting in, in a position where you have a lot of people that have power over you and you truly are very powerless. Right. Um, much more than people. I, I mean, it's like, you know, the, there's so many documentaries out now and like people are kind of obsessed with crime stories, whether it's like daytime, day, nighttime TV or whatever. And I've realized a lot of that is really like, a, not, you know, it's still fantasy, but the reality is um, the people that run those, like the police force and the criminal justice system, all those, they're still people and they've had their own experiences and that's why they view the world they, they do and that's why they treat people and handle situations the way they do. And I'm at the mercy of those people and their experiences. I'd imagine that's a pretty, can feel like a lonely, scary, <sighs> like, uh, what those am I going to do? Yeah, there's some days where it's like, I, why get out of bed? I have no power. Um, I am just a ball rolling in this large system that at some point I hope spits me back out. So we're actually going to pause right here and um, because we have so much more to say. So we're just going to end this episode and, and just thank you for your time. And Carrie, thank you for like getting us started. Like I almost don't want to end here because we're <laughs> like, getting into the meaty stuff. But hang on, come back for us. Like we're going to peel the skin back a little bit more and really get into the meat of what we're talking about. So with, with that, if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. Go be grateful.